Blog Talk Radio. Your Majesty, we'll pay whatever price you set for your goods. They are not for sale. Until the spiritual advancement of the West catches up to the technological prowess, it would be irresponsible to share our scientific discoveries with you. Are you calling everyone here irresponsible children? No. More like sullen teenagers who feel more mature than their behavior warrants. The fact that every conversation here is framed in terms of profit and power says it all. You could have made half these breakthroughs yourself. But there's too much money to be made in misery. Why cure a disease when people pay for medicine? Why provide cheap energy Yeah, we when... get the point, Tachaka. <laughs> I've never met a socialist with a crown on his head before, but... I guess there is a first time for everything. Who gave you permission to use my first name? I am sorry. I did not mean to offend. I understand your frustration in dealing with a black man who can't be bought with a truck full of guns, a plane full of blondes, and a Swiss bank account. But please, hold on to what little class you have. Your Majesty, I truly apologize. This meeting is over. You're traveling to another radio show, a broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind, a journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio, with your guides, Gebert, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. Mind expansion engaged. folks we're back at it again february 6 2016 and it appears that we're losing icons at about once every two weeks the great the great david bowie left us glenn fry left us now we're talking about the legendary maurice white so we're going to have to discuss his impact as well as this blurred stuff there's a lot to go on uh, we're at the throngs we're in the in the throngs. Pardon me. We're in the throngs of of the Black History Month deal. So we have to talk about that and how that relates to comic books. And there's so many things. Deadpool, Deadpool is coming. Just a lot to unpack, folks. If you haven't guessed it, this is the Grindhouse edition of Afro Nerd featuring Captain Kirk and of course the unca- uncanny Daryl B. The call-in number always stays the same. Certainly a constant. Six four six nine one five. Nine six two zero six four six nine one five nine six two zero. So, you know, one of my taglines when I go to a, a song, ironically, is "Let's groove." So, guess what? Let's do that. Courtesy of Morris White and the Gang. We'll be right back. Down, down, on, down, 
folks, you know I hated to do that. But Earth, Wind, and Fire, they're known for their extended, extended vamps, which I love. But it doesn't do well for a, a radio show where you have we're impended, it's impended upon time. So, again, my apologies. Uh, we will definitely get into more of Mr. White's music and his impact. But we do have a show to run, and we have to get to it. Anyway, again, this is the Grindhouse. I am the Afro Nerd, and we do need the captain. Captain, you're needed in engineering again, as always. Let's get to it. Coincidence. Captain said on January 15th, people will be dropping down like flies this year. There'll be a carnage. Just coincidence. The Friday show before the Schaumburg. That's all. Let's get started. Coincidence. It seems like it. And relatively at the same age. And I would say somewhat prematurely. You know, people die in their late 60s, early 70s is really, you know, you don't necessarily expect that. But uh, it is happening. You were, as always, you seem to be quite prescient when it comes to this kind of, kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, we'll talk about it. You know who this gentleman is. He is the uncanny Daryl B. It wasn't a good week start to the weekend for me because along with Mr. White, I lost Dave Mira and I lost Axel Rotten. Folks don't know him, uh, go like I, but that's one from each of my major things: one from music, one from sports, and one from professional wrestling. Folks, yo. We're losing our heroes. It's not a good thing. Rest in peace, guys. Yeah, let's um, let's talk about Maurice White for a moment, and then we'll we'll move along and we'll try to uh, flourish some of the the broadcast with his music, um, including other songs as well. But I, I'll say this much about Maurice White and um, his impact as a musician and what Earth, Wind, and Fire means to uh, popular culture. And black popular culture. I mean, it's not just black black popular culture, but I will say uh, one of my early introductions to music, to being able to read music and actually play music. Uh, and and Mr. White was a drummer initially, and I, I play drums also, not well, but I learned, I learned to to play drums and uh, as, along with Captain Kirk's predecessor, Iron Man, Iron Man Starks, Stark. we were in a high school band, and we had to learn how to play music, and one of the early compositions was September, which I will play at some point. I distinctly remember playing September. And um, I I was always proud of Earth, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And being a blurred, and when we unpacked, I know that Daryl could appreciate this, and of course the captain especially. Uh, Now that perhaps this is our, our time, and we'll talk about that later on, during the Black History segment, I'm more cognizant of some of our heroes and what they actually contributed beyond, like their their initial career choice. Like in other words, you think of Maurice White as this fantastic musician. You know him as being a front man for Earth, Wind, and Fire. But Earth, Wind, and Fire, again, tapping into the Blurred deal. Irwin and Fire tapped into a lot of Afrofuturism. A main component of the naming, even, the naming Earth, Wind, and Fire. But the, the actual um, 
the the song choices, the the kind of um, you could classify them as also giving us um, psychedelic soul, and psychedelic soul is a code for black rock. There's there's been different names for black rock, but psychedelic soul is one of them, and Earth, Wind, and Fire definitely tapped into that. But when you think of Sun Ra, George Clinton, and Maurice White, they also employed a great deal of science fiction or Afrofuturism in their lyrical content content, and in their look. So there's a lot going on there with these gentlemen. Maurice White specifically, he died at 74. Um, I, I was aware for many years now that he stepped down essentially as being the front man. Now, we saw mostly um, uh, Philip Bailey, phenomenal singer, in the front, more or less. And he was a Coley anyway, but I had known, being a supporter of the group, that he had, he had been stricken with Parkinson's disease. So you, 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 start, you started seeing him less and less uh, in front of, in front of the, the group. I mean, you know, it's, it's to tour and to perform, you know, you're not going to be able to do it with, when you have Parkinson's disease. And unfortunately, he um, succumbed in his sleep due to his diagnosis. And he, I believe he was diagnosed sometime in around the late, late 80s, early 90s. So it's been a while that we, we knew that he had this disease. Um, just as far as like his impact, though, when you think about all the songs, the songwriting credit, the uh, the breadth of of who he dealt with as far as musicians. I mean, he was a studio player for Chess Chess Records in the '60s. So even as a studio player, he came across folks again. My heroes now, Buddy Guy, um, Buddy Waters something that was played in our household quite a bit by the Oracle, one of his, and mine also, but I got it from him, Ramsey Lewis, Etta James. I mean, this is, this is the, the type of folks that he, was, he, he performed with just in the studio. So you could imagine when he would, when he would cut loose with his own, own group what he could actually do. Um, but, I mean, we'll, we'll go deeper into I could really go deeper into Maurice White's impact, but... It is a very painful thing to see these folks that we grew up with and, and having listened to their music. And I'm always railing about the quality of music and the, the quality control involved in music. And it, you know, now music is so uh, mechanized, and it's been that way for the last 25, 30 years, but it's, it's extremely mechanized. Um, the level, the high top level of musicianship, you just do not see. Uh, I'm pulling it out. We're, you know, here at our, at our show, we do what we can to, to expose the remaining musicians. And I'm looking at this from a from a black perspective because, you know, we're talking about our culture and that musical tradition of superior music musicianship. You know, if you're not really actively looking for it, it appears to be waning. And it, when you see someone like Mr. White passing on. It just reminds you that we may never see a talent like this again. It really, it, it really is a heavy hit, not just because of the, of the tragedy of his illness and of, of Mr. White passing, but just the legacy and not really seeing again that level of musicianship and camaraderie, not, with, with, not only within his own group, but with being able to work with other people. 
Anyway, any thoughts, gentlemen, on, on Mr. White and, or, or anything else you'd like to speak, speak to? I mean, it is Black History Month, so a lot of this kind of fits in. Well, he, he was Quincy Jones for the disco set. He, he's Herbie Hancock. What Herbie Hancock did to, to, to electric jazz, that's what, that's what Maurice White was. Hell, if, if I want to update it to today, he's Dave Grohl. He's Bruno Mars. Because remember, Mr. White started out as a drummer, but he learned guitar. He self-learned piano. He learned how to write. He learned how to orchestrate just from, by doing work, doing work. And what you say about the Afrofuturism tie, listen, folks, just look at their album covers. Look at their videos. At the time, people thought, oh, this is weird, or, oh, this is so psychedelic. This ain't what's reflecting in the community. But it didn't stop you from playing their records. It didn't stop you from grooving to it. It, it was a whole nother level. That raises the bar. The problem is, the problem is, what Mr. White does requires effort. It requires uh, nose to the grindstone. And the problem with today's musicians is, you know what? I don't need to write my songs. You write it for me. I, I don't need to play that instrument. I, that's what I got this band behind me for. I don't need to know how to set up a concert or set up a song or set up an orchestra. I don't need to do all that. I have people that do that for me. Well, back then, all those people was Maurice Wright in one. Thank you, sir. Thank you for the effort. Thank you for the, 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 the standard Thank you for uh, getting that level that we have to achieve to be. Cap, you want it? Well, here's the thing. Here's what we have to admit, and though we do admit this on this show. During the analog era, you had to know stuff. This is the bottom line. You had to know how to sing. You had to know how to read music most of the time. Every now and then they'd get somebody coming through who didn't know, but they were extremely talented, though, those types. You, you just had to know stuff. You had to know stuff. And the problem is, when these individuals that knew stuff, knew how to sing, knew when you say, okay, look, get out of A flat, go into B flat. Now, all the tunes, you do it with your voice, and they know what you're talking about. The problem is, when these people pass, this digital automaton who never learned anything, it's all right to do digital if you have learned it, as I would say the proper way, who never learned anything, they take over, and then you lower the standard, you lower the bar. Now, it would be nice you have those individuals, Mr. Digital, the younger generation, if they could draw on the knowledge of the older person. But they don't want to do that. So they go ahead and reinvent the wheel. They're making the wheel again as if they know something, like they can make it better. No, you can't make it better. The best thing to do is to build on what they did so it's easier, and then you make it better, not try to reinvent it with your garbage because you don't have the fundamental essence. It's like making a cake. All right, this is how you make the cake? All right, the cake is good the way you're teaching me, but let me just put a little sprinkle on this, and I'll build upon it. No, 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 that's not how you make a cake. Let's just start from the beginning. And then they're trying to figure it out, and the cake tastes like garbage. <laughs> so this is what we're dealing with here 
That's the problem with these people dying, whether it's Moise or anybody else. That's the problem. These people knew stuff. They know stuff. They know stuff. Extremely talented people. They know stuff. When you go back and you watch Soul Train, you say, these people know stuff. They know stuff. You look at the younger generation, they, they don't know anything. That's just that's not hating. They don't know anything. They don't know anything. And I used to play with people from time to time because I studied a little music myself. I would say to them, younger people, all right, uh, it's in B flat. All right, sing it in B flat. Huh, what? I said, yeah, listen to it. Listen, here, boom, boom, hit it on it. I said, that's B flat. I need you to sing it like that. Huh, what, huh, huh, huh? Now, sometimes you run into a few Juilliard people, and they know exactly what you're talking about. So it's still out there, that ability. But most people, they don't know what you're talking about when you're doing that. They just sing. got to catch the right key. You know, auto-tunes. Well, but I digress, though. Back over to you, Afro Nerd. Yeah, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about someone like um, Clyde Stubblefield uh, from James, James Brown, funky drummer the funky drummer beat that was done in an analog way. And what has happened is, you know, folks are reliant on 808s and beyond. That's where it started, 808s and beyond now, with drum machines. So if you become proficient with a drum machine, you don't have to be proficient on a trap set. I had to learn on a, on a trap set. I had to learn on a, on a snare drum with music, um, uh, with the, ba- the band leader, or the teacher at the time, instructing us. And if you made a mistake, you get called out in front of the class. And, um, and again, September was one of those songs that we had to learn the, 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 the drum composition for that song. And at the time, I was annoyed by it, but like you said, the analog way of learning, it, it's, it's, it gives it for a, a deeper resonance in music. I can't explain it. Uh, well, maybe I am explaining it. Again, what we hold on hold on to so dearly on our show, and when we talk about music especially, it, there's a soul, there's a kind of depth, there's a way you listen to music, it, you know, especially if you are a jazz guy, and I, I consider myself a jazz person as well, being raised on jazz, and listening to the different instrumentation uh, and the way that the different players relate to each other. And it has a lot to do with Math, believe it or not, um, there's just so many things you can impact with learning, with real musicianship. And doing it by sampling, drum machines, uh, you could tell that it's just a cheaper sound. It's cheaper, it's uh, very little resonance, very little soul. Um, Funky Drummer still remains one of the most heavily sampled bits of music in music history. But Clyde himself, who, who he's he's that guy that created it from his own genius. I don't know about being able to do that with the with the drum machine. I'm pretty sure you could replicate it, but you will know the sound. Human beings know the difference between things. They know when yeah. things sound off. Yeah, well, Afrener, that's one of the reasons why I know Dave Grohl got criticized for talking about it. I know Nas definitely got criticized when they brought up. When they brought up about drum machines and all of that, and uh, uh, people in the industry ripped them. Oh, what? What do you mean? It makes things so much easier. It makes things, yeah. But what the guys were arguing is, you don't have the feel for the music. 
You don't know how to do the natural changes for the music. That's why, folks, when you hear a record and you love the record and you're like, oh, my God, this sounds so great, and then you hear them perform it live, and you, you have in the back of your mind, well, this doesn't sound like how it sounded on the record because in the record studio or that, that was altered. That was, that was tampered with. There's a reason why guys like Cool and the Gang and Earth, Wind, and Fire and, and uh, Parliament Funkadelic, when they perform live, it sounded like the album because that's how they made the album. Just a little bit of knowledge. Back to you, Afrinerd. All right, uh, we we can we'll you know we'll we'll tap back into this throughout the broadcast, folks. This is the Grand House edition of Afrinerd featuring Captain Kirk and of course the uncanny Daryl B. Feel free to call in with your questions, protestations, your comments. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. All right, um, you know what I really want to get into quickly uh, behind the scenes. I've been I've been working to get these gentlemen on the show, uh, specifically the main gentleman behind Black. Black is a another yet another Daryl. Can you believe it? Another successful Kickstarter campaign, not that different from a few weeks ago when we spoke to the gentleman behind Tuskegee Air. So we're back at it again with a successful independent black-themed or African-American-themed comic book where conventional wisdom would think that this kind of thing would not work, and yet this diversity thing seems to be paying off in droves. So um, the gentleman's name is Kwanzaa. I think think it's it's definitely Kwanzaa, uh, and it's an African surname, Osav Yepo. (laughs) I'm probably screwing it up. And, of course, Jamal Eigel as the artist. Uh, Kwanzaa is the writer, and I think they're over 30,000 right now as far as uh, they were looking for 30,000. I think that they're, they're well over it in just a few days. And the Washington Post picked up on this thing. So as we discussed this, what, what did you hear about this, Daryl, about this uh, black comic book? Oh, I, I should know a little bit about it, but I put in my 30 bucks for it. The the premise is simple. The premise is simple. It's a planet. It's an Earth where the oppressed, on the on the the oppressed minority, black, becomes the only people on the planet with superpowers. Now, just think about this. Think about this. All right, you're getting beat down by the cops. And all of a sudden, an event happens similar to to the Big Bang in, in Static Shock or something, and you have superpowers. What would you do? And that's that's the situation that, that that's going to happen here. It's almost it's a wish fulfillment scenario, but knowing Mr. Eagle, he wouldn't just be in it with, for a wish fulfillment scenario. They're going to use. African-Americans being the only ones on the planet with powers to examine a lot of social, political, and economic issues. He's going he's gonna to work with this writer and invert it where it becomes almost a prism to shine the light on what's happening today. And that's part of the reason I funded, but I, I, I put money behind it because I kind of want to see this. 
I kind of want to see, because we all know we're going to have irresponsible brothers and sisters that end up getting powers in this. But I want to see how the responsible people that end up getting powers use it to try to help or try to, uh, to, to be that beacon for others to follow. It's easy. It's easy to, to do like, uh, what was the name of the video game? Where where the uh, it had the guy the guy in the hoodie he gets powers and all he's doing is wrecking stuff. Um, it was sort of like a Grand Theft Auto thing, except the dude had. Anyway, all right, it's easy. I get powers. Oh, I'm gonna wreck stuff. I want to I want to do things, but to get powers and then all of a sudden have the moral the fortitude to do the right thing. I want to see how that's accomplished. And that's part of the reason I was intrigued by it. Back to you, Afrinard. Well, you know, uh, Cap, what are your thoughts about this this, this new move or what we're starting to really see? And we're going to talk about this later on. You know, this is Black History Month, and I was just thinking that we, we appear to be, I, I'm, somewhat, I'm somewhat jaded, but we appear to be in the throngs or thralls of a black blurred renaissance and we're starting to see projects actually move forward there's this call to diversity we know that i believe the NAACP music um music i'm sorry image awards i think that's was held yesterday or day before yesterday and it's actually going to be airing tonight if i'm not mistaken anyway um this the the the, the issue of diversity is very big right now and for the washington post to to pick up on this story, um, what, what do you think are the implications with, with, with what's happening now? This is the second time we've discussed this kind of stuff in a matter of a week and a half, two weeks. Uh, looks like we're going to get the gentleman on himself to discuss it. But where do we go from from here, and what does this mean now? <clears throat> well, there's a couple of things happening. One, the powers that be realize that. If you mix it up a bit, you make more money. That, that's their objective, all right? And then they have to figure out how do we write material when you have the Asian person, black person, uh, white woman, black woman, uh, Latin woman, and anything else in between. And how do we write material where that we're not just putting people on the screen, but write it in a manner where these people, these characters, touch people emotionally. That's what it has to be. You touch people emotionally, then you're intrigued, then you're into it, you feel for the character. So you have that in. Also, what you see happening is more black people are figuring out and doing some heavy lifting. Now, this is not to say and to defecate on black people. You've been doing some heavy lifting. But what you're finding out and figuring out through failures is the process and how to become successful, what you were doing wrong from before. That's why, that's why I always say to people, there's nothing wrong with stepping out there and taking little steps and falling on your face. Babies fall down a lot of times before they walk. Big deal. You get up, clean yourself off, and then you figure out how you get your equilibrium, and then the next thing you know, you see the kid is toddling, and then they start walking, and they can run. You know, you figure it out. So that's what's happening. That's what I like. That's what, you know, that's what I see here. And that's, what, that's what's very good about this whole thing. They're putting their feet forward, and they're figuring out how 
okay, here's the plan. I'm not just going to drop this and put it on Kickstarter. I have to build it. I have to get a following first, get everything lined up. Let me put it on Kickstarter. Kickstarter also helps you promote versus some of these other ones, you know, these other situations. And boom, go ahead and become successful. Now, the thing is now, the next process now is for these projects to get bigger and bigger from that standpoint, further that going further down the line. You know, will we see that? I think we will. You know, instead of we're looking for twenty or 30000 we can expound upon that. We can expand upon that. We can make that go 100000 200000 300000 after a period of time. And then we'll see what comes out of that. That would be a great look, you know. It's the process with this, though. It's a process. You know, it's just like getting a barbershop and then going to get a second barbershop. It's a process. You got to shake out all the kinks. So I like what I'm seeing as far as this is concerned at this given time. Back over to you, Afternoon. Yeah, uh, someone from the chat room in, an- in answering, um, answering uh, Daryl's question. He says Infamous. I know Infamous is a video game, but now that I think about it, I think it's, isn't it... Uh, the Assassin's Creed is that what you're talking about, Daryl? Yeah. yeah no, well, it's it's infamous. Yeah, it's it's uh, it runs on the same pla- platform or engine like Assassin's Creed does. So okay. yeah, where the dude gets powers and essentially the the whole game is you running around destroying stuff. And we'd be remiss not to 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 mention the other two creators that are a big part of this: Tim Smith the Third and Kari Randolph, and it's. Four black industry insiders that that are now doing this this thing, and they, they they have the advantage or the disadvantage of working within the industry and seeing everyday life in America through the eyes of being an African American male, and you're putting this now. Into a graphic novel slash comic book series slash social statement, and uh, hey, the Washington Post took notice. <laughs> oh, hey, jo- I got into it because I saw Joseph Village write the article, and I flew over to Kickstarter to, to to take a look at it, and I went, you know what? I'm putting my bones behind it. It, it it's real, folks. I I said it. I said it before, we've all said it on the show. We don't just throw projects out there. I I know three of the four men on this list. I know three of the four men and I associate them with quality. Alright? If I'm putting my money behind it, I know I'm getting quality back. We ain't just putting this out there just to put it out there. This could be big. Back to you, Afrener. Well, you know, one other step, and we're going to go to a groove after this in honor of Maurice White. But I do want to mention this. Um, you know, Vulture uh, Magazine, Vulture.com also picked up. I mean, this thing actually went viral uh, re- regarding the popularity of this comic and the premise of the comic, I think, really resonated with people. The cover is pretty provocative. It has a, a, a young man of color in a red hoodie, and it has the, the term um, black, you know, the title black emblazoned and guns. Uh, pointing so with his hands up, the, you know the hands up don't shoot thing. But we're assuming that this this uh, hooded character has powers. So it's a whole fantasy, as you said, wish fulfillment fulfillment thing. 
Uh, a lot of things that could definitely come out of this that might be of interest when it comes to fantasy. But we always talk about this constantly on our show. Infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. We know that Milestone Media is returning. And I really sincerely hope that they do not go into old habits, that now you have all this talent that's really challenging what a comic can do, challenging the the theme of a comic book. And if you're going to make what you do unique among all these other companies that are out here, I mean, you know, theoretically, well, that's not a theory. Um, we know that Milestone is an imprint. We thought that it was coming back unto itself, but it's going to be still an imprint under D.C., be that as it may, they should be trying to coalesce this talent under one umbrella or maybe several umbrellas where we know this is where you go. I, I, I just don't want these things to be one-offs or just you know, kind of floating out there as independents, like one book unto itself, when we need to actually have several comic book companies competing with everyone else. Matter of fact, I'm thinking that the way that the, the, the blurred media, how we are coalescing, you know, we're meeting um, sometime next month at the Amalgam Philly store, and you have all these podcasters, this media, we need to be pushing, and we are doing it, but pushing the sales of these books, having our own truly independent black or diversity-oriented comic book, um, are, you know, really disseminating this stuff. That's what I. That's what I want this to be. I don't want it to be where we just kind of go from 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 success to success to success without actually building something. I want to read this quickly from Vulture, and then I'm going to go to a groove. Uh, and this is in the words of Osef Ye- Yefo. If I'm pronouncing his name correct. I'm probably butchering it. Uh, black fights cookie-cutter portrayals of black people in comics. The world of superhero comics has been justifiably proud of itself for becoming more racially diverse in the past few years. There's a new Spider-Man who's half black and half Latino. There's a black Captain America. And there's a Pakistani-American, Ms. Marvel, to name a few notable examples. But critics have accurately pointed out that these non-white characters are all too often written by white creators and that their stories really take on real-life racial issues. Writer Kwanzaa Osevyefo and artist Jamal Eigel want to change all that, and they think their new Kickstarter-funded comic, Black, will be a step in the right direction. Uh, the comic will follow a kid named Kareem Jenkins, who somehow survives a racially-motivated shooting at the hands of police. He then finds himself at the heart of a massive conspiracy a significant percentage of the world's pop- black population is superpowered, and the government has been suppressing that information. Wow. <laughs> you know, this, this is kind of, sort of, um, Daryl, you remember, I, bu- I, I bought this book over again, because I, I can't go through all my, my comics. Um, it, I mentioned it to you before. It's, it's the gentleman that uh, he's a writer for. He, was, he, he, uh, he did 12 Years a Slave. He was the screenwriter, okay. and he had a book. Uh, oh, uh, Incognito? No, no, no. That's another. We know him too, but no, not him. Um, 
uh, I can't think of his name. I, when I get when I go to the song, but anyway, he he did a a graphic novel series in the '60s, if you remember, and there was a a black superhero that had to be covered up because oh, he would have uh, frightened oh. American something. Oh, the American way. Ameri- yeah, the American way. Yeah, Except and he uh, was uh, one. Hold it, because it's right here on my shelf. It's Mr. Ridley. Yes. Yes. And he he's also has a deal with Marvel, actually. So we still we are still waiting for something on TV from him beyond American crime. But anyway, this kind of, sort of taps into that, except that was one black person that they could not deal with. Now we're talking about a population of black people. So the premise is a lot larger. This is this could be the the black version of um, hell. What, what is that? I'm losing my memory. Um, X Men? No, check it. No. Check it. Check it. It could be conspiracy. Only one part population has powers. You know that the the larger population, they want to figure out how they got the powers, so they'll do any unethical thing to try to reduplicate that in them. You know, there's a lot of places that these four gentlemen can go with this story. Yeah, well, actually, I'm I'm thinking of uh, Watchmen. That this is a this could this could be a Black Watchmen. Uh, well, again, Watchmen ain't one of my favorite stories, I'm but not, not saying, it could be exactly it could it could Watchmen. go there. It could go there, but I. What was what was it for Wildstorm? I think it was Number of the Beast. And and American Way is also a uh, Wildstorm book, by the way. But uh, Number of the Beast, where the government couldn't control, so controlled the heroes during the 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 40s and 50s, so they they staged an accident to to secret away the heroes, and and unfortunately they got released at the wrong possible time. I could see that happening here too. But again, we we're comic book readers. We know an infinite amount of stories. We know that black could go an infinite amount of ways. And with with their with the production team behind this and all the stuff that they from, from Marvel, Milestone, Zuda, they have a lot of influences behind them. So the odds of this story being crap is Nowhere on the screen. There's going to be nuggets here that's going to make this a talked-about book for years. And I'm knocking on wood that it's successful. Back to you, Afrinard. This one, this one quick blurb that's from the Vulture.com. It says here, in an interview with the Washington Post, Osef Yefo, and hopefully when he comes on he'll correct me, who was previously, previously an editor at Marvel and D.C., took issue with the aforementioned, pardon me, aforementioned black iterations of Spidey and Cat. I mean, I enjoy both characters, but they are very Cosby show. A cookie-cutter, inoffensive blacks uh, who don't reflect contrast within black culture itself, he said. He added that one of the reasons race is so hard to deal with at major publishers is the systemic lack of inclusion among the stewards of, the, stewards of these characters. That isn't to suggest 
an intentional omission so much as self-perpetuating environment lacking any perspective that isn't white male. I think that pretty much sums up the comics industry for the past seven decades. All right. When we get him on here. Wow. When he comes on, we are going to debate that because there hasn't been a more scrutinized character in the last five years than Sam Wilson as Captain America. And in the first couple, and I give Nick Spencer credit, in the first couple of issues, uh, he, he, he took heat from Cap fans, from black people, over him being in the Captain America costume. So, yeah, me and him, we're going to have a discussion when he comes on about this one. I totally disagree with that one. Can I interject something? Yeah, sure. All right, I just want to switch switch gears a little bit. Just 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 after switch gears a little bit. This is a question for Daryl. All right, Daryl, you're gonna like this question. Okay. Keep in mind, after the switching gears, and then we'll we'll get off of this real quick. Prediction tomorrow for the Super Bowl: Cam Newton and his ramifications. Thirty-one twenty Panthers. Thirty-one twenty Panthers. Cam better come correct because he's uh, he's uh, he's holding the the standard for all of us here, all right. And for all of the people that say that race ain't a factor, check out the Tuesday interviews where the the reporter kept on bringing up race, and Cam tried to sidestep it, and he went like, "Look, look, I know what I said before, but look at me, look at me. Have you ever, ever?" Printed up a fan's uh, disagreement with um, Aaron Rodgers or Peyton Manning or Tom Brady when they were successful here? Have you ever brought that into the mainstream? Oh, oh, no, you haven't. So look at me. Look at them. What's the difference? The reporter shut up. So, Cam, you're on the national yet worldwide stage. Don't let us down, bro. Don't let us down. Go out and do your best. Back to you, He didn't even let me set the table. <laughs> I, I was waiting for it. I knew what was coming. <laughs> he didn't even let me set the table. That was good. That was good. All right, good. Let's go out for that. That's all. All right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> More groove. More groove. I referenced September. So let's get to that. This is a classic Earth, Wind, and Fire groove. Rest in peace, Maurice White. This is September. We'll be right back. Let's go.
legendary artist Earth, Wind & Fire featuring Maurice White, September, September. One of, my, one of my practice songs, certainly. Folks, we're back. The Grindhouse, 646-915-9620, 646-915-9620. Um, I see that Q-Storm, uh, he says, even Prince name-checked September on musicology. Yeah, you know, um, folks like Chaka Khan and um, Lenny Kravitz, they always refer to to Earth, Wind & Fire as being, uh, Maurice White specifically as being an innovator and, and really emboldening them to become artists. So he was definitely someone, to, one of those point men that if he was, influ- he was an influencer, certainly. I mean, when you talk about some of the, the artists that came after him that were of a certain heft, you have to give it up for Maurice White. So, you know, now we have these, these beat makers, Svengali's, these emo. You know what I'm talking about when I say beat maker and emo. You can, get a, you can guess who I'm talking about. Not a real musician. Not a real musician. But he's going to be, he's going to be called a genius, and he's, he's going to be called a musician when he's really not. Oh, hell, I'll say it. Kanye. At, at, at NAACP Music Awards 2005, when Prince was performing and accepting an award, you could see Kanye West in an audience fuming because he saw someone who could, do, who could really do it all, and he can't do that. But he's going to be called a genius, but that's not genius. When Prince is on stage dancing, playing guitar, uh, pian- on a piano, that's a whole different skill set than put it, making up beats in a, in a studio. I'm just saying. And Prince can do that, too. I'm just saying. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Um, back to the fold. We were talking about, uh, also, you know, Q had mentioned some things about um, black, and then we'll move along. I think he may be, in my opinion, a bit more premature about the book. I mean, I'm going to support it because, one, the business acumen behind the Kickstarter campaign has to be applauded. I want to see more people of color employing these tactics because if you're not being able to get what you need through the mainstream conventional system, channeling what's going on with the Oscars, you better do it yourself. Uh, there's a story that we, we hopefully will get a chance to talk about out of Cameroon with a young, burgeoning video game, video game maker in Africa making video games. Now, why aren't we as African Americans making the connections to African finance and commerce and investment? I don't know. I know some folks are doing it, but it needs to be a thing now. If we're going to be real about this, it needs to be a thing. You have, you have African auto manufacturers now. I mean, it, it has been said with Chinese assistance, but be that as it may, that Africa is looking, is looking to become the next China as far as development and industry. So we're seeing, hell, didn't uh, Netflix Africa recently open up for business a few weeks ago? I mean, we need to be about, as black folks, with all this whining and stuff, the originals, (laughs) referencing vampirism and also black folk, the originals that are in Africa, they're they're getting it done. They're creating an infrastructure, and we we need to be, coalescing with these folks and getting things done. I'm, I'm very impressed with this video game company. We'll get into it. But I, those are the kind of things that are in my head. That's why I want to support black. But I hope it goes beyond just 
and we'll, when we have these gentlemen on here, we'll talk about that. But, you know, uh, we see that that milestone has returned. There needs to be maybe two or three competitors to milestone that are doing diversity work. I'm just saying. But Q said that, uh, he says, I'm looking at the cover of the book, and I see a kid wearing a hoodie with guns pointed at him. And I'm like, next. You're entitled to that, Q, and you listen, you listen to the show all the time. and I hear where you're going with it, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking that it may be, be – let's open up the book and see what it, what it has to say. It may be, hopefully, as, he, as, as, uh, as Kwanzaa is talking about, he's saying that he wants to see more layered characterization. So perhaps we will see it. I'm thinking it's going to be, going to be beyond – a kid in a hoodie with a gun pointed at him. This is science fiction. So maybe we will see layering. I don't, maybe we will not see tropes. He's thinking that this is a trope. I think it's too soon to say that, in my opinion. That's why I can't wait for, Yeah, that's why I can't wait for it to come through. Because it, uh, knowing, no, like I said, I know three of the four creators here. I know it's not just what's on the cover. I know it's got to go deeper. And... And we're going to bring up DMC later on this one. There's no bigger example of going deeper in a story than what happened in uh, Guardians of Infinity 3 with DMC this week. You know, that uh, layered, layered, there's a story there. But if you look story and go deeper in the story, you're like, whoa, he actually got away with this in a Marvel comic. You know, deeper. Deeper. That's what I'm hoping for with Black. You see what's on the surface, and we're going to get levels underneath that will make us, not saying you're going to agree with it, but it's going to make us do what we're doing right now, debating and talking about it. All right, let's move things along a bit. Um, I want to talk about the return of X-Files. Now, I supported X-Files in its first iteration, and, and actually... Mr. Starks was the one that told me to get up on it. Um, I didn't get into it until maybe season four, and uh, I was a, I was a fan. Even when Mulder left the Covenant, David the Covenant, he left the show, and then uh, what's the gentleman that's that uh, was in? Um, he's in Terminator he's Two, in Scorpion, and Terminator Two. I forgot that that gentleman's name. He he took Robert the helm Patrick. over for. Yes, thanks, Mr. Patrick. He was in. He would. He did what? Like a season or two? Maybe two seasons after that? I think two seasons. Yeah. I think two seasons. So um, we're back. I mean, after movies, now we're back to Fox, and lo and behold, twenty million viewers for X Files: The Reboot or the continuation. Um, I, I believe it's going to be maybe ten or twelve episodes, or, or nope. maybe less than that. Nope, that's six I mean, episodes. Six? We're right, at the halfway episodes. point already. So I'm wondering how long that's going to last if you're getting 20 million, 20 million viewers. Um, that's even more than, than Empire. So what are your thoughts about that, Daryl, about, about the return? What do you think about whether it's the same or is it, has it moved, moved forward? And just, you know, we're back into this again, and... It's 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 a real thing. You know, twenty million is nothing to sneeze at. Well, it's first 
all the shenanigans Fox did with Jillian Anderson coming in that we found out later, you know, there's a reason why people watch the show. And it wasn't just because of David Duchovny. All right, there was a chemistry there, and you can't lowball your, your your icon coming in. I'll just say that before I get started on this. The show has been great. All right, it's it's nostalgic in that you feel the same beats that you did during the '90s watching the original. All right, with some things with a touch there, but. The, the sci-fi character actors they've brought in, the actors you wouldn't think that would be a part of this that they've brought in, Joel McHale, Joel McHale, the guy that does talk soup, as a Rush Limbaugh type, I would have never seen that coming. But made it work. Made it work. Everybody's got questions. And and they, they throw you curveballs all the time. I Folks, if if you know anything about me when it comes to watching shows like this, is that I want to be thinking about the show long after the show is done and some of the implications. I still don't have a plausible explanation for the 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 Spanish the Spanish girl from the first first half of the premiere. I still don't have an explanation for that. Was it aliens? Was it the government? If it was the government, how does she have the, that kind of mental power? But if 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 if, if it was aliens, then why did she say human? I still don't know. I'm still thinking about it. But that's one of the things that makes X Files great because X Files was able to pull. We looked at it as a freak of the week alien conspiracy show but they were able to pull stuff from different places like different horror myths different uh alien conspiracy thinking all together and put it in there for an hour that had you just go oh do we go to commercial no we can't go to commercial now I don't, I'm still trying to wrap this around my head what do you mean it's the end of the show I don't want it to be the end of the show I still have questions. And the, and this redux, it's not a reboot, but this redux, this nostalgia trip is invoking that same thing in the hardcore X-Files fans. And maybe the new generation now, now will, uh, you know what? I got to go back and see what all the, 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 the hype was about. Let me go back and take a look at it. And, that's where this is succeeding, you know, and, and hopefully, I, I know I may over-geek on this, but I know I've had friends hit me up like, I've, I see what which you got so excited about this about. Where can I see the original shows? And conversely, I've also had friends like, I just don't get it. This is just not for me. And in which case I tell them, hey, everybody's entitled to their own thing. Back to you, Afro Nerd. Well, you know, I have a special place in my heart for X-Files because you could see that it has influenced so many other like-minded imprints. Now, I guess the closest cousin to X-Files would probably be Fringe. But, I mean, there's elements of supernatural in Fringe and dark matter. and I mean, there's quite a few 
uh, there's a lineage there when it comes down to X-Files. But, you know, X-Files has had a kind of a, a relatively lengthy and, and successful road. I mean, you're talking about this is, this is its 10th season now with this reboot. You had two films, comic books. I mean, it, it really has... And I can't recommend the comic enough. The comic's been doing great. I commend it enough because they worked with the writers from the show in crafting the comic book. So it is it is close to it as possible, at least text-wise. A little bit of the art is sketchy to me, but text-wise, yeah, it's on point. Well, I'm just fascinated by the fact that we are in a, a nerd renaissance where you could tell, you could tell that the powers that be – they can explore this stuff again, that they can actually say, okay, let's go for a reboot. I don't think this would have happened unless, unless we weren't in the time that we're in right now. Everyone is rushing, rushing. You could, you could almost see and feel the frenzy for folks to dust off some of these properties and try to rejigger them to, to, to bring them back into the fold. I mean, I, I tweeted out to some of the actors from Fringe, um, the actress uh, Jessica, uh, the one that played... Uh, Oh, jeez. Uh, Idrid, I think her name is? He's always screwing up her name. I'm screwing up her name now. Astrid. The actress that played Astrid. I, I text messaged, uh, texted her as well as, tweeted her, pardon me, tweeted her, as well as uh, the gentleman, that another gentleman that ran it. Uh, he's a voiceover actor, too. Why am I with my memory going? Anyway, I put out, I put out there that it's been, what, we're going on three years since the, the conclusion of Fringe, even though it, pretty, it ended pretty solidly. But actually, that, can't, that doesn't stop anyone from revisiting it. But see, now we're in the middle of it. All this sci-fi stuff that was relegated to Friday, it's, not, it's like hot, hot properties now. I can't imagine that uh, Fox isn't talking about bringing Fringe back to the... I mean, I would like to see a Fringe X-Files crossover if that's possible. Just for s and giggles. I mean, listen, if they're going to do a Sleepy Hollow and Bones crossover, which I have yet to see, if they're going to do that, that means they can definitely do a Fringe. You almost have to do a Fringe X-Files crossover. Now, Cap, now what are your thoughts, about, now Cap, what are your thoughts about that? What are your thoughts about that, Cap? All right, first let me talk about, you know, X-Files. All right, I was a die-hard X-Files guy, die-hard. It was one of the few shows I ran home to watch, to watch in real time. Now, I was very excited with it coming back, but I understand it was 20 million fans and everything else, viewers and everything else. A lot of people like it. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I didn't like at all what I saw. I thought the acting was a little bit forced. They were trying to get the chemistry. And, it, and see, ignorance is bliss. This is me now. See, I know a little too much. And sometimes it's better to be ignorant, man. You enjoy these things better. There was a point in X-Files where it started getting funny. I didn't like when they did that. I didn't like when they did that at all. And you had a lot of that going on now. I didn't like the interaction between the two main characters. You know? I didn't like it. Years ago when they were doing it, it seemed flawless. Now, this is why I say ignorance is bliss. It seemed forced. It seemed like you, you guys are not really on that page. Now, maybe that's what they wanted. I don't know. 
But everything between the two, it just didn't flow to me. Just didn't flow to me at all, man. I'm watching, I'm watching, I'm watching. I'm like, yeah, yeah okay. Nostalgia, nostalgia, nostalgia. Blah, blah, blah. I said, I'm not this guy, man. I'm not ignorant. That's part of the problem. So it has to be done a certain way for me actually really to enjoy it. Ignorance is bliss, you know, and at times it's better to be ignorant. And I'm seeing, it looks like to me, like they rushed this and they threw it up there. So that means to me, now that you got 20 million, the next time around when you get done with these six, six episodes, it's going to be a lot better because I'm pretty sure they see the flaws also. That's just me seeing it, even though they got 20 million views, you know. You look at the old stuff, and you look at this now. That was flawless. I don't think this is flawless. I see all the loopholes. I see all the problems, even though you have the viewership. That's where I am with this stuff. You know, it might be be me being a little bit picky, but when you start to understand how things work, that's what happens. That's what you do, you know? That's why at times it's better to be ignorant. It's better to be ignorant, and it's better to be, with a lot of this geek stuff, to be like a little kid when you can be. You enjoy it a lot better. So, you know, as far as the crossovers, that'd be good to see, you know. And I think you would see that because they have so many views. If you're getting that many views, you cross over to show up other shows, show them up, shore them up, should I say, because you have all these views. Let's go. So it only makes sense. But I think when they bring it out again, because it was only six, this was the test run, they know what they got now, it's going to be a little bit better. Or should I say even a lot better. Because to me, it just seems like it was rushed, you know? They didn't really know it was going to work. Let's try six. Now that you know. So let's go pedal the metal now and throw it out there. It needs, they need, it, this needs to be better, the interactions to me. This needs to be better. And that's what you had in the original series. The chemistry with everybody, even the smoking man. It was incredible. That's what made the whole thing was the chemistry, acting. I didn't get any of that. But it's still early, you know? Man, I'm just being a little too picky you, and I don't know. But I, I just didn't get that vibe that everyone else was getting. I watched it because I used to do this hard. This was my thing. I did that in another show called The Millennium Group. All right? I did that show, too. After that, you know, I, I wasn't really into TV too much, you know, after that. But I, that's what it is. Back over to you, Sir Afronard. You see, I have a different take on this. Also, the actor I was thinking of was Lance Reddick. I sent a, a tweet to him as well. Lance Reddick is a great voiceover actor. He was the commander in the Fringe series, and also he had a, a brief stint. Well, he's, he's been all over the place. He's been in, in, the, uh, in the Wire. Um, and he was also uh, on uh, Blacklist for a moment, Lance Reddick. Anyway, um, what I took from the X-Files, actually, was that it embraced the fact that they, that the characters have actually aged. So I like that they move forward. Sometimes there's always an attempt to go to fit in exactly where you left off. Which would be no a mistake. Ages. <laughs> Repeat that again. Which would be a mistake because obviously all the characters have aged in the in the time frame. Go yeah, like, but you know that's the, a common trope is to act as if it is to kind of fall in place like nothing has changed. Like, in other words, at least to try to adapt to where we are now. It, it, that's, that's the part that makes things difficult. But then, then again, um, X-Files is about the future. It's a futuristic type of show, so it shouldn't be that way. And, and it seems like they actually have made that adjustment to me. Uh, the last episode, 
uh, was, it, was a, it was one of those humor episodes. I liked it, but I didn't love it. So I, I get where the captain is going with it. But I thought that when you factor in, we see the smoking man, and he's, he, now he's smoking through his neck. Which yeah. is, is, that's, a, that's a twisted kind of humor thing, which you could expect. I thought that was pretty funny, actually. And still moving forward. Um, the characters themselves, they acknowledge their, their age. They're acknowledging their middle age deal. They're acknowledging that they have a, a 15-year-old son. So there's, there are things that they're doing, that and the, and, then, and the technology. You know, now you got to have that phone with you. They didn't have phones with them like that. I mean, it's just funny that as time has gone on, the the technology has to has to there has to be an adjustment to the technology in the real world. That's what makes that's what makes things like Star Trek difficult to do, because Star Trek, you know, when they try to do a, a Star Trek series, uh, Enterprise. When they did that, that Enterprise was supposed to be thematically before the original series. But it still looked more modern than the original series. There's no way to get around that. And that's, that's kind of, it's off-putting. It's Catch-22. And, techno- and that's because technology is, is, is moving, even with these, these sci-fi productions. They're moving. Um. Let's move things along again. I know the captain has some thoughts about you know you know a common trope with sci-fi sci-fi products is that if they don't get the numbers that if the studio doesn't get the numbers that they're expecting, they move it to Friday. Sometimes these these properties can thrive on Fridays, but we have two series. One is Second Chance, which is uh, a redux of the Frankenstein mythology. Second Chance after two showings, I think on Wednesday. It went straight to Friday. And after three seasons, Sleepy Hollow is on Friday now. So, Captain, you brought this to my attention. Uh, I fell out of Sleepy Hollow. I'm, I'm like a season behind. So what, what are your thoughts about the movement and where Sleepy Hollow? I think Sleepy Hollow fell off and then kind of corrected itself. Orlando Jones is no longer with, with the, uh, you know, he's no longer with the series. Maybe he can, maybe he can come back. I don't know. What's what's up? Now I, I received some insider information. I don't know how accurate it is. Time will tell. You know, time will tell. You got to be careful with that. Just because a person's an insider, you know, doesn't mean the information is correct. So I view all of that stuff too. But the the rule of the rule of thumb, as you said, you know, when they move these shows to Friday, they put them there to die. Put them there to die, and then they bring in something else the next season. Now, what also does happen, let's understand this. Sometimes shows start out on Friday, and they move them to other days. That happens also, too. And sometimes it's possible you can thrive on a Friday. But according to insider information, I don't know how true this is, but, you know, that I received, I was told that the actors were asking for more money. That's what I was told. I don't know how true that is. And the numbers were going down. You're getting ready to go into a fourth season. So the executives said, oh, let's throw it on Friday and see what happens. You know? So how can they ask for more money if it's on Friday if the viewerships, if your viewership is going to be down on Friday? You see? That's what I was told. We shall see. Time will tell. You've got to be careful even with insider information. I was told this. But that sounds so, like a Fox move. 
That does sound yeah. like a Fox move. We we know Fox will have, and this is a good point, Daryl. We know <laughs> Fox will have great shows at times. Sarah Connor Chronicles. Let's not talk about it. <laughs> Firefly. Right, let's yeah. Not, mm. let, let's let's not talk mm. about. It. We get emotional, mm. and you know, <laughs> they don't get the numbers, and they don't believe in it, and they just get rid of it. That's a show that should have been moved around because it was done really well. You know, I'm still a little emotional about that, man. But anyway, you know, you, you have to watch Fox. Me personally, I like Sleepy Hollow, but the only one problem I had, you got to get to the point. Is the white guy going to bang the black chick or what, man? What's going on, man? <laughs> you you know it's the moonlighting thing. It's the yeah. moonlighting thing. It's the cheers thing. Folks, if you you don't know what the moonlighting or cheers principle is, it, oh, it, it, can, can I explain it to him? We just did X-Files, which is also another proof of it. All right? When you have a male and female co-lead, in an episode, the natural thing, or in the series, the natural thing is, oh, when are they going to get together? When are they going to get together? Everybody starts shipping them. Oh, when? They, and then when it happens, that's when the numbers go into the toilet. Yep. <laughs> I so as soon as, as soon as I uh, black uh, black girl nerds they 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 are sleepy hollow follower addicts like crazy. So when I first got on Twitter, okay, I saw I was doing it with them going to Sleepy Hollow, and I see a bunch of their fans saying that, and I told I went, "Do you want the show to die? Why are you trying to moonlight this?" <laughs> This this show. Stop asking for this. What is he talking about? I don't get what he's talking about. And that's how I knew I was dealing not with people that aren't used to the sci-fi slash TV tropism as a, a thing. All right, folks. If you love your show, let stuff happen naturally. Don't campaign for the hookup to happen because once it happens, then guess what? Now your anticipation for each show is done because you've already seen them hook up. So it's not in your top priority to, I got to go and see the episode. I got to go see the episode because you already just saw them hook up. Okay, I've seen them hook up. That's it. My my, My urgency is gone. Can I add something? You know, Orlando Jones, that guy there doesn't get enough credit. That guy has done a lot of work. He was probably the most known actor on the whole show. Oh yeah, <laughs> that that guy gets around, man. Woo! Oh, I, <laughs> hey, for, for FYI for people, I got my start with Orlando Jones on PBS because he he did the uh, Morgan Freeman route. He was on Square One, Orlando Jones. I came home from school, and I saw Orlando Jones. I was like, wow, this black guy is goofy. And all of a sudden, I look at the replacements, he's there. I look at cop shows, he's there. Daddy's on Sleepy Hollow, he's there. Which just solidified his geek cred. So, hey, like I said, Orlando Jones can't do anything wrong by me. Well, you know, my thing with... um these TV properties, especially what Fox is doing, that irritates me. Uh, well, I shouldn't say just Fox, but things have gotten so bad that they, they literally piecemealed the episodes. Like, it was years ago, they would at least give you one season. Like, they would give you a full 
22, 23, 24 episodes and then work it out thereafter. You might get a season two. Now you get six episodes. You, you know, two episodes you go straight to Friday. Um, I'm thinking you could get, a, you could get a, uh, let's say, ten episodes. Then they like the numbers. They say, okay, we'll give you the entire year. And then they still say, well, you know, it won't work out. Uh, one series that I actually liked was uh, Forever with Ewan mm, McGrufford, yes. you know, uh, Mr. Fantastic from the, yeah, the, the first. Uh, I actually I actually liked that. I mean, it was it was a riff off of uh, Sherlock Holmes, uh, definitely Sherlock Holmesian. But I was getting into it. It did fairly well because it was given like a half a year. Then at some point, it's okay, we're going to extend it. And then once they extended it, ah, forget it. Hey, what the hell is this? <laughs> See, that was what, ABC, right? Yeah. That was ABC, right? ABC. Remember, yeah. it, was it, used to, it used to be paired with Castle. Yeah, it, it used to be show. paired with Castle, and then Castle, Castle went one way, and Forever ended up being behind um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and the problem is, Agents of Shield and and uh, Forever, that was two different audiences. So the Castle audience leaves, and uh, nobody was picking up that Forever was behind it anymore. I don't think they understand that there's so much product. Like it's it. There's no way anyone's going to be able to have enough time to see any of this crap. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, let's keep it. Let's keep it I mean, it's just, if you fact, if they, they're not being realistic about the streaming services, Netflix and chill, YouTube, uh, breathing, <laughs> passing gas. <laughs> there are things people are doing beyond looking at your. Uh, they they still believe in the in the old paradigm of looking at a TV series when it airs. No one does that. I know I hey, don't do I, it. I'm still mad. And here's the thing. And I don't understand how Fox does this. All the stations do that, okay? You have these reality TV stuff like Master Chef and all of this. Oh, we got to find time. We got to find time for it. Okay. Why don't you adopt the BBC way of doing it? Why don't you adopt the HBO way of doing it? Okay. Eight show. You give them eight shows, eight to ten shows. Bap. It takes a hiatus for a while, and then here it comes again. You know, do it. Don't do it where it's a whole year long. Half, half, half the season's up. I'm glad to see ABC. ABC's getting into it, and they're doing a really good job. Where they have okay, Agents of Shield kicks off. Then it goes on a brief hiatus. Here comes Agent Carter right in for a five to ten episode run and then bap here comes Agents of Shield back to finish off. You know? Bap bap bap. So you don't get tired, you don't get bored. Here it is, bap, here it is, bap, here it is, bap. Okay? You try to do this with a uh, Sleepy Hollow. Okay. We give you to a uh, five to eight episodes to begin with. Alright? Now you've hyped my rage. Wait, wait. You've hyped <laughs> Lucifer. You've hyped Lucifer to the ends of the earth, right? Why aren't you pairing Sleepy Hollow with Lucifer? Is it wouldn't that keep the thing? You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. 
Wouldn't that keep the same fan base all the way through? No, you break them up for some reason. You really don't want Sleepy Hollow to succeed, do you? Which lends credence to, to, to Captain's, um, Captain's information. Well, I don't know definitely if the information is true. I always got to be careful. But the person is an insider. You know, you got to be careful with that. So I put the onus on them. So according to the insider, <laughs> all right, I scapegoat myself. Time will tell. Let's go to, so things like that come out call. eventually. Let's go, to the, let's go to the call. Let's go to the call. 703, welcome to the show. Tell us who you are, where you're calling from. What's up? The Grindhouse. Hey, what's up? What's up, fellas? It's Black Ronan from uh, Manassas. Hi, Black. Yeah, what's, what's up, up man? man? All right. Yeah, I just caught into the show when you guys were talking about Sleepy Hollow. I just finished watching it earlier today. I'm a big Sleepy Hollow fan as well. And I agree with Daryl that definitely the whole pairing up thing does not work. We saw that one Arrow. Let's face it, Arrow's never been the same. And Ollie hooked up. Yeah, there yeah, you go. It, 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 it ruins the show. I'm sorry. It just does. It is, shipping is terrible. Shippers kill shows. That's what they do. Kill shows. <laughs> I, I, I don't say it to hate because we all oh. we all go, you know, if he and her hooked up or, yo, she needs to get it from him. You know, we, we, we all do it. But the problem is. Somehow, with the advent of Facebook and Twitter and Snapchat and Vine, this vocal minority gets louder and louder and louder. And then all of a sudden, the writers see that, like, okay, it's time to hook them up. But the problem is the, the unseen majority, they tune in every week to go, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe. Uh, uh, it, exactly. it, it's part of the reason why, hey, Flash and Iris, Yo, we know there's supposed to be a couple. I'm rooting like hell for that not to happen. Yes. Yep. Don't we go like, don't yeah, do too. it. <laughs> the the last show before they realize their mistake and put Grant Gustafson in the Flash movie, yeah, then do it because you're not going to be on TV no more. But don't do it as long as this show's got started. You need to diversify your bonds, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> Having a little fun there, gentlemen. <laughs> yeah, I see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, my my thinking is, I think I think you need the shippiness. You you have to have the thought of shippiness. It's when it True. when it, it actually goes down. It's like, uh now that it, now that the deed is done, I've lost interest. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> which, which can be real life sometimes. I mean, you know. It doesn't work. It works. It works. The tension has to be there. We'll admit. Yeah. Even when it came down to Hawk Girl, Hawk Girl, and uh, and Green Lantern for the Justice League. I mean, that's you know you were always wondering. That's the, the mastery of McDuffie. You were always wondering if that was going to go down. Like I, I'm thinking, these two like each other. You know, <laughs> and when they finally, when it finally happened, but then they, but then they broke up. So it still was tension. But then when we finally got uh, Batman with Wonder Woman, that's when, oh, this is going to be the last season of Justice League. You bastards. <laughs> you know? So, uh, well, you know, can't we, win. Well, we didn't talk about it, that, that they're bringing them back. Cartoon oh, Network yeah, is bringing back that. the Justice League. Oh, oh, now, I, I, saw, I saw some of the, I saw some of the, the, uh, the drawings on it. And I... Yeah, they know. bent tended. <laughs> they bent tended. You could say it. They bent tended the Justice League. 
on the animation front. I'm more hyped for the Justice League versus Teen Titans thing. Yeah, me too. Well, not just that. Yeah. Well, not just that, but the uh, Machinima YouTube verse with the, the alternate version of the JLA, the darker JLA. I mean, at least it's comforting to still see, you know, the Bruce Tim style. Like, you know, it still looks like a Justice League, even though it's, it's, they're different heroes, it still looks like the Justice League. It's something about the animation style that just is just I don't know. It, it, it just works. You, uh, and we got Black on the line. Black, I know you yeah. have friends, and I still argue yep. with them to this day. They tell me, you know, Teen Titans Go. You have to be watching this, and I'm like, the animation style oh. just turns me off because I like the other Teen Titans series, but then we went from that to Young Justice. Once I go to Young Justice, how can I go back to T-Titans Go? Young Justice Season 2 is now on Netflix. I just heard that today on what some other podcast. They said it's been released finally. Season 2 of Young Justice is now on Netflix, finally, after all this time. Yeah. So, and we're knocking on wood that that Season 3 plan is still in effect. And, God and it, damn it, I want to see Rocket. There's still rumors. Yep, there's still rumors about the season three. I think Wiseman made a comment about it, but you know who knows? I mean, you know, who knows? But Wiseman mentioned it recently. I was listening to uh, those damn comic book guys out of Texas, and they were talking about it. that's when they, they they dropped it that it's on season two of of Just, Young Justice is on Netflix, and that they also said there's a rumor that Wiseman mentioned something about they get enough views on Netflix. There's a possibility, and of course, you know what a possibility means in show business, that maybe we may get a season three. But it's a possibility, so you know how that goes. It is the Warner Brothers. And All right. You know, well, well, yeah, well, my I'm going to – Well, my thoughts on this kind of stuff is why, why, why are we seeing – like, you know, listen, we know when we had yeah, McDuffie I mean, on, he, expl- he expl- explained that these yeah, properties are never going to work the way we want to unless they're toyetic. In other words – if there isn't a toy plan, a successful toy plan, it's not going to go down. Uh, we were lucky to get, what, four, four seasons of Static Shock? Uh, Static Shock? I think four seasons, maybe. It was like four, I think. So, but Ben 10 lasts forever. That's definitely coming back because they sold millions of toys for Ben 10. But I'm, you know, when will we see, like, just have a streaming service just for these, for these cartoons? Since they hate to to make them. Well, Bullfrog's coming on Netflix, so they they got some kind of deal going with uh, Netflix now, so that's coming back again. Is this new material or is this a, yeah new, old, new material? Yeah, what I've heard is new material. Yeah. Not not the Nick the Nickelodeon version. I hope. Hopefully, I'm not, we're going. I'm not sure. I'm we, not sure if it's, if it's the Nick. It might be somebody else. Though. I think it might be somebody else. Now it's going to be the 3D animated type. You know. 2D with 3D, yeah. Well, I say that, but but Green Lantern got better for me, so I can't totally hate on the 3D concept Uh, here. I hated Green Lantern. I mean, I love Green Lantern, but I hated the way it ended. Yeah, 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 then, man. That that's a, a chestnut there, right there. Yeah, hey, the two cartoons with how they ended that really left that a bad is. taste in my and, mouth is Green and, Lantern and, and Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. And I'll say I, I'm a romantic. I guess I guess I dig the shapiness because the the Razor and uh, Aya 
I was hoping to even see Aya. Yeah, yeah. I was even I was hoping to see Aya even make the same Harley Quinn trans, translation. I mean, I think there is an Aya uh, in, in in print, but it, it, I would have figured it would have been a larger character. Um, but Green Lantern was another one. Like the way that left, we, we you know I don't I don't know what they wanted. Well, you know what they wanted. Yeah. yeah. I gotta go, guys. But yeah, just wanted to say, just calling about the shippiness and uh, the pairing. I'll tell you guys later. Thanks for the knowledge, Black. Okay, man. Appreciate it as always. Right. Thank you, man. All right, gentlemen, let's go to a groove. Um, let's change things up a bit, and then we'll go back to Mr. White. Um, more urban alternative groove, Black Rock, psychedelic soul. We do what we do. Um, I've been finding quite a bit of new music. And again, why are you not hearing this stuff on the radio? <laughs> it, it truly boggles the mind. I, I just, uh, it's troubling, definitely troubling. All right, uh, well, actually, this is a gro- old groove, but I still don't hear this on the radio as much as I'd like to. This is Dirty Harry by the Gorillas. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
Science fiction has always been put, put to the side somewhere. It's always been a Friday night thing. So the fact that it's no longer Friday night, theoretically, that it's, 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 it's in the open, front and center, now everyone's scrambling now. They might as well bring back Warehouse 13. <laughs> I mean, you know, I'm just saying. Anyway, let's move things along a little bit. Uh, well, you know, I, we spoke about Sleepy Hollow. What are your thoughts about Second Chance, Daryl? I mean, I don't know if you're really into it, but two episodes already the Friday. Top of January. I I I don't I don't understand. It just what it smacks of me. If you were going to do it Friday, have it start Friday. You know, you had it paired with. Well, I I brought up Master Chef. All right, so Master Chef is the lead audience going into a Frankenstein meets Limitless type show. Look at the people that watch Master Chef. And how many people of that is going to go into Second Chance? I, sometimes I don't understand how they do this stuff. I don't understand how they plan this stuff. That's like me saying, all right, you know what? I'm going to take a show like Hannibal. And then after a show like Hannibal, which, again, is gone now, but after a show like Hannibal, you know what? We're we're doing My Little Pony right afterwards. Yeah, the same people that watch Hannibal are gonna go right into My Little Pony. I, you know, it's it's just uh, when you're setting up these weekends and you're setting up how these shows are fragmented coming down the line. I don't understand how TV producers do it. Now, contrast that with what cable does. All right. It, uh, uh, look at uh, Penny Dreadful. What's how did Showtime usually set up Penny Dreadful? The show before Penny Dreadful or the movie, but before Penny Dreadful was either a period piece or a horror movie. Why? Because that crowd naturally will float into Penny Dreadful and stick around. You know, TNT. TNT had their has their block on Sundays, right? And and they had the last ship, suspenseful, war type thing. And what did they pair that up with? Falling skies. Which yes, it's two different things. It's more post-apocalyptic with falling skies, but it's still a military war type show where the guys from last ship can naturally float into it. Maybe the sci-fi thing uh, turns them off, but it's a natural progression going across. TV just got to get their game up, man. They got this is this is now 2016. You have if you want these shows to succeed to the point where you can increase advertising revenue on the shows because people are sticking around to watch. You got to make the, the transition seamless, and they keep on effing this up. Back to you, Afronerd. All right, let's, let's move things on, along a little bit, uh, gentlemen. I want to talk about Black History Month. I mean, I, I gave <laughs> a different perspective. Now, we, we spoke about um, uh, last week, we talk, talked about Black History Month, and Carter G. Woodson and the importance of it, how it was Negro Week, and now it's Black History Month. And it's always been scrutinized. There's been other 
uh, ethnic-oriented holidays and events, and yet they don't seem to be under th- the same scrutiny as a black thing. But we know where that's coming from. <clears throat> so when we talk about comic books, I, I find it interesting. You know, I- I've referenced the Judgment Day story quite a bit, um, but we can go back beyond that, you know, as far as, like, the-, the first time we started seeing black people in comic books. And it really... It really ju- is just a, uh, endemic to the culture at that time. You think about comics coming into fold, superhero comics even, coming into, into the fold in the late 30s, 38 and 39 specifically. Uh, black people at that time, whether it was in film uh, or whether it was in print, you were, you were subject to, to stereotypes. So the, you know, the first time we started seeing black people in comic books, we started seeing, seeing them as jungle figures, you know, natives, we saw them, uh, you know, whitewash is a, is a known character we, we, that's been brought up quite a bit. Um, uh, Ebony White, even the naming, even the naming of these characters were meant to poke fun. And, you know, not just black people, we're talking about black folks specifically, but the way that they drew Asian people, you know, uh, the, the, you know the, the, the stereotypical look, they were put out there, you know, uh, ultra yellow, yellowing skin. I mean, you, you know, that's the way you would, not like a tan coloring, but like yellow, yellow. I mean, just absolute absurdity. And it took some time, all this time, really. I think we, we might be at the point now where we're starting to see some, some respect, respectful depiction. Look how long it took for black people in comic books even to be perceived Fairly normally. I mean, have have you seen anything in recent times, Daryl, that made you cringe? I mean, I think the last time that I actually cringed, and we spoke about this, was believe it or not, Luke Cage. Luke, when they rebooted Luke Cage, I remember looking at it and thinking, "How did this get past anyone?" It was that character, and also the character that was a nemesis to um, to the Punisher. What, Barracuda? Yes. Barracuda and Luke Cage, when they rebooted him, were cut from the same cloth, I thought. Well, that's... Gold well, teeth? Yeah, well, Barracuda is part of the reason why when Ennis said he was doing Tuskegee Airmen with Dreaming Eagles, I felt a little repulsion to it, like, no, oh, man, no, 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 no. Go like, I, I, it's one of the best stories we got, and it is, doesn't have exactly the best track record. And thankfully, he's proved me wrong on it. He has totally proved me wrong on it. He's found an original, a realistic take on the Tuskegee Airmen, where his love for war stories has overcome his, his, his needing to use bad tropes. You know, and he's telling a great story over there with, uh, I think it's Aftershock Comics. Dreaming Eagles, guys. Aftershock Comics. You know, it's, it's, it's something where during this month we highlight it. We have to, we have to take a look at it. We, 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 and, and you see the characters. And some of them, you look at them and they, they piss you off as to all hell. And some of them, you see the characters and you go like, where has this character gone? Why has this character been faded out? Uh, the other day, me and Blurred Girl got into a conversation about the Bradleys. Where are the Bradleys now, Marvel? Where, where's Isaiah? Where's Josiah X? Where are they? Why'd you let them fade? 
the natural well, Darryl, hold on hold on hold on hold on for the for the audience okay unpack who the bradleys are all right the uh, um, the bradleys essentially are a family well the the males are intertwined with the captain america mythos all right the the series the truth was all about how uh, the unknown part of the tuskegee base was that they were doing uh, experiments with the super soldier serum on black people first, and Mr. Bradley was one of the ones to survive it. <laughs> you know, so he essentially was Captain America before Captain America, and they framed the story where Steve Rogers, true digging on his own, true urban myths, true government records that he uncovered went searching for the Bradley family and got into a discussion with his wife, I believe, his wife, and they started talking, and then he eventually met uh, the elder Bradley, okay? And then later on, when Young Avengers came out with Alan Heinberg, he used Isaiah, which was his grandson, as the the lineage in the lineage to 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 adopt the stars and stripes that he became patriot now we're doing the the captain america book and you, we're doing a black captain america we're going to have a black captain america when they first announced it i thought oh they're finally bringing isaiah bradley back he's going to step up no it's going to be falcon it's going to be sam wilson i'm like that's cool but after you drop the Bradleys, I want the Bradleys back on the scene. I want the Bradleys back up here. You know, it, but that's the type of character. Like triathlon, Kurt uh, Busiek uh, creation, uh, a black dude, uh, Delroy Garrett. Delroy Garrett? Yeah, Delroy Garrett. Essentially, he inherited, through nefarious means, not of his own, the powers of 3D man. And he became the hero triathlon. I heard people saying, well, this character's stupid. Oh, look at that Kowski. This character's stupid. And I went, it's Marvel's attempt, it's Busick's attempt to create a legacy hero here, similar to JSA. But, again, I, and, and this goes with both companies, all right? But it goes back to what um, the, the, the co-creator of Black was saying. A lot of times the legacy hero ends up being a minority, all right? True, no fault of his own, but it's an easier way to introduce a minority character into the world if they have already an established uh, hero lineage to follow. Hell, you, by now everybody's seen Batman Bad Blood. What would you call Batwing, a.k.a. Luke Fox? He's a legacy hero. He, he, his father's Lucius Fox. He takes the bat suit out of there. He puts it on. He's now a member of the Bat family. He's Batwing. He's now a legacy hero. It's an easy way to introduce it. My thing is we have to get strong enough where we don't need to be a legacy hero. We could be a hero on our own standing, be introduced, and be strong. All right? But... Again, I mean, this is this is where I differ. It doesn't mean that being a legacy hero makes you less of a hero. It doesn't mean that because I'm I'm now going to be Captain America 
that doesn't make Sam Wilson any less of a hero or any less than of a black man by taking up the Stars and Stripes. It's a strong statement to make. It's a strong image to make. It's a hotly debated concept amongst us blurs. But until we get strong enough or until the industry trusts us to be strong enough to have these properties on our own, we have to do this sort of thing. And that's why stuff like February, Black Comics Month, Black, Black History Month, that's why it's important. Because there's a whole bunch of people out there that don't realize how many black heroes and heroines there are. Or in the case of Blurs Online, you know, we, we need to start hollering some of the black supervillains out there, too. Shout out to Moses Magnum. You know, back to you, Afrinerd. Yeah, the book, just for our audience so they have some specifics on it, uh, The Truth, Red, White, and Black, was a seven-issue seven comic book series by the late Robert Morales and Kyle Baker, legendary uh, artist Kyle Baker. They were on this book. We're going back like 13 years now. So I showed you how much time is, is It moving. needs to get back in print, like in two, now. It, exactly. 2003 released, was the release of this book, and as Daryl was talking about, it essentially channels the Tuskegee Experiments. The, the infamous Tuskegee experiments where uh, black men in the 30s, all the way up to 1970, if I remember correctly, where they were, uh, they, had, they would come to doctors, go to doctors with afflictions like syphilis, things that could be treated. And because this was a, a government thing, they allowed these folks to be observed and not really treated. So if you, if you don't get the appropriate treatment for syphilis, you can go blind, you can uh, you can go insane. I mean, so these things. This was this was a permissible act, a permissible uh, ex- experimentation period on black people. So obviously, if you think of what how Captain America became Captain America, it it makes perfect sense that the first folks to try this formula would have been black people. So that's what that book was about, but not with their and, knowledge. That's the key thing. Yeah. They didn't know. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it definitely channels the, the, the Tuskegee experiments. And I agree with you that, you know, this is the, the one thing. They, they, they develop some of these characters, and then they, they're like a dangling participle. You know, they, they just, they're just hanging around. They don't actually explore them. Like, what happened to the Isaiah, Isaiah Bradley family? Like, it's, it's, they're just kind of reference. They're, they're passing references. We don't really explore them. And, and we're talking about IPs. I mean, everything right now is about content, having this content out here and being able to capitalize on the content and explore the content. And when it comes to – it just so happens, when it comes to people of color and their IPs, they don't really explore them. And on the off chance that they do and they become successful – then people are shocked. So, you know, this 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 inability or this reluctance to explore black fantasy, black people, you know, uh, Concrete Park, which we reference a lot. Now, I'm I'm forced to look at the colony. The colony is the, is the USA post the the, the present because there's been there there will always be uh, post-apocalyptic dramas. But this one is yet another one called The Colony on USA TV. And I'm thinking, 
with all this diversity talk, why not explore Tony Perrier and his wife, actress Alex, uh, Erica Alexander's Concrete Park? Why not explore a post-apocalyptic world with, with minority folk? What would that look like? It would definitely be a change from what we're always seeing on, on repeat, on repeat. Black folks, brown folks, yellow folks, we're not in the mix in the future. White people are definitely in the future. Cannon father. High walking dead. White people are are definitely in the future. Yes, walking dead takes place in in, in Atlanta. In hot Atlanta, very few black people. And when they do show up, lunchtime. And And rightfully or wrongfully, the zombie mythology comes from Caribbean tradition. You know, a zombie a zombie is a is a black invention mythologically. Hell, so it wasn't it wasn't on most people's radar until Night of the Walking or Night of the Living Dead. And hell it became came back into social consciousness with Serpent in the Rainbow, which was that was heavily voodoo. Folks, I'm giving you some movies to go check a look here here. And then Hey, hey, it became popular again with Dawn of the Dead, with Ving Rhames. It, that, that took off. And then all of a sudden, zombies were everywhere. Hi, Resident Evil. I'm still waiting for a good brother hero in that, that you don't kill off in two minutes. Anyway, but... <laughs> well, well, I'm throwing a lot of hate. I'm throwing a lot of hate, but, you know, they had Boris Cujo there for a while for two show, two movies, so I can't hate on that one too much, I guess. Well, again, going back into the fact that this is Black History Month and comic books are not withstanding in that history, um, you know, you had Jungle Action as a book, which was a, uh, a book that was the linchpin for uh, Black Panther. Um but, but, but you know, that might have been perhaps a modern take on the jungle mythology. But many of the books in the, in the uh, 40s and 50s, Daryl, the GGA books, the good girl art, always had a white heroine, or white, I should say a white victim, uh, very sexualized at that time. And black natives in the background attempting to eat her. If they were lucky. Well, there there was other stuff there. there that was implied because again it's the 1950s. But uh, yeah, we we could reach for the implications. Yes, but it, there are a number of books that you you know if you look at them, it's like yeah this woman that's held at a st- held at the stake white woman, the uh, Tarzan or wh- whatever white heroine hero hero was there. He's in the background, but he's fighting off these black natives. That was that's essentially what what comic black comic book uh, characters exist how they existed back then. You know, you had uh, all all Negro comics came into the fold at some point, uh, which is a very expensive book, very rare book to get. Which was a book by black people for black people, comic books, but it, it never took off to the point of actually being a sustained thing. But um, I, I'm thinking now because of where we are, that we we were able to go to the fourth annual Black Comic Convention. And you could see that it's starting to grow exponentially. That from the first time I, I, I attended the second one, and from the second one to the fourth one, there was a difference. Even in the, even in the sense that there's even a West Coast version of, of, of the comic convention 
during Dr. King's holiday. Milestone has come back. Diversity is up in front in the center now. Um, the, the, the term blurred is a thing. So I'm, I'm thinking now, this is just a general question to, let's go to, to the captain. So what are your thoughts about where we go from here? Do you think that, I mean, look, it took us damn near 70 years just to get to this point where we're perceived a little bit more respectfully in this medium. What happens now? You know, after the Kickstarter campaigns, you know, we're seeing people that are trying to present these images under their own tutelage. Your thoughts? Well, what needs, what needs to happen now is just overall infrastructure. Screw everybody else. Screw what the rest of the world thinks about black people and your product. We have to believe it. Because if you believe it, then everyone else believes it. That's say, and you've already seen this happen with rap already. Rap worked mainstream because we believed it, and that's what it's all about. We haven't gotten to the point where we believe the blurred situation as of yet. That's intrinsically what has to happen. Anything that gets appropriated by the powers that be, we believed it first. We have to believe it, and we haven't gotten to the point where we believe it. That's, what, that's, just, that's, that's just the modus operandi with this. Now, hindsight being 2020, you know the operation. Develop your infrastructure so a lot of this is not lost once it gets there. That's it. That's it. Yep. On on that note, yo, Princeless or Princessless, Princeless, their second hardcover came out a couple of weeks ago. So pick it up if you want your little girls to know that they can be a princess, but they don't need no prince saving them. Check that out. And this week, Wednesday, I put it out on Twitter. I put it out on Facebook. Wednesday, Shaft, Imitation of Life, Issue 1, comes out. David Walker, you can't say you don't know about the project now because I'm yelling it in your ear. Pick it up or go to your local comic shop and order it. Shaft, Imitation of Life 1, from Image Comics. Back to you, Afrimus. All right, let's, let's shake things up a little bit. This is a grindhouse broadcast where normally we talk about the pop, the pulp, and the political. So let's go to a political thing, and then we'll go back to – actually, I want to talk about the CD – CD, pardon me, the CW comic verse, Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, Arrow, all this cohesion that's going on. We'll talk about that after this, this uh, more serious moment. Um, I was on the Root website, Henry Louis Gates, or it, well, it's still his website, but it's owned by uh, Univision, I think, now. Anyway, that's another story. Um, they had a, a, a piece on racial profiling, and they interviewed young men that were lamenting about being profiled. So I have a, a clip, an audio, about two minutes of the audio, about their experiences being profiled. And I guess it hints back to the black comic book. And I, and I, and I, I do understand where Q-Storm is coming from with, you know, if you listen to the show, we, we, have, we deconstruct some of the, the belief system that many black folks have, some things that I think that are apocryphal. You know, we, we, will, re, we will repeat things as truth, and they're not truthful. You know, when we say, well, the, the Willie Lynch letters, the Willie Lynch letter, a gentleman has come out and said that he created that crap. Not that the intent of the, the intent of, of 
dissecting slaves or um, it's not dissecting them, but separating slaves based on skin tone. We know that that existed, but as far as an actual letter by Willie Lynch, that letter is, is false. But I still see black people referencing Willie Lynch like that's a real person. No. Um, anyway, so let's go to this racial profiling clip from the Root, Root TV, and let's talk about it. Hold on. When you see a black or a Latino youngster, particularly on the street, you walk to the other side of the he street. He should be worried about the fact that there is actual thuggish behavior you're not gonna taking place. Take the hoodie and not going to watch. I think it's not going to happen. But I am urging the parents of black and Latino youngsters, particularly, to not let their children go out wearing hoodies. That's ridiculous. Everybody owns hoodies. Well, it's weird that I have to like think about like, all right, man, I'm going out to this thing. Should I be wearing a hoodie or should I try to wear a button up and try to not give off that vibe of danger to anyone? If I wore like like a straight red shirt and like red shoes, my mom would not let me go out of the house, you know, because she thinks that I'm going to be perceived as a gangbanger or whatever. MLK had on a suit when he got shot, you know, like, we've worn different articles of clothing our entire lives. It doesn't make you less, less of a victim because of what you wear. It's different. Uh, for us, it's not only just for, like, job interviews and stuff like that. It's going out at night. It's going to bars and stuff like that. My style is comfortable without looking like Steve Jobs. I'm not gonna walk around wearing like a turtleneck. First time that I was really called a nigga, me and a, a few of my boys, some girls invited us down to some high school show. Now, we didn't know that she is the only black girl in this high school. So we go down to her school to see this show and as we're sitting there watching it, we heard somebody yell, who invited the niggas? I was like, what? Can't be talking about me, I'm wearing a polo. I feel like that the hoodie thing is an excuse, you know what I mean? It's, it's easier to say it's the jacket that you're wearing than the skin color of the person. I just started wearing like baseball caps because if I wear, like I like wearing them low. If I wear a baseball cap low in a car, I'm gonna get pulled over easy. It's not even a, it's not even a question. I've always had hoodies, never been told I couldn't wear one for a certain reason. I'm aware of how it may be perceived, but that's not my fault. The way this perceived has, has nothing to do with who I am. All right, we're back. Again, folks, this is The Grindhouse. We're doing a quick turnaround. The Grindhouse show, of course, is a fusion of, of styles, not just pop and pulp, but we will talk about the political on occasion. Um, and I, I saw this video. There's a video component, and I'll put that in the chat room in a moment. Um, well, you know, listen, I, I have a certain view on, on presentation, and for whatever reason, <laughs> you know, it's, it's as if we're not dealing in a, with, within a certain reality. The, the last part that, if you might have noticed, the young man said, you know, I'm aware of how this is perceived. But yada, yada, yada. I'm aware of how this is perceived. So people, so, so if someone approaches you based on something that, that you know 
gives off a certain presentation, that person's supposed to be able to read your mind, though. See, there's a certain level of disingenuity with us about presentation. Doesn't mean you have to wear, and this is my opinion, again, doesn't mean you have to wear a uh, top hat and tails when you're walking around, but your, your cadence, your manner of speech, uh, where, where, you're, where you're hanging around, you know, if you're hanging in an area that is, is, is rife with crime and, and there's issues and violence going on, to be profiled. Um, I just think that, you know, one of, one of the young men had said that uh, you know, Dr. King was shot in the suit. Well, I mean, Dr. King getting shot because of racism and, 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 and a political system in 1968 is different than a, a, a young man walking in a hoodie 2 a.m. in Bed-Stuy in a, a, a Brooklyn project. I mean, there's gotta, we can't be acting as if someone being assassinated as a political figure wearing a suit. I mean, I believe... Malcolm X was wearing a suit also, and he was killed by other, by fellow African American Muslims, and he saw that coming, unfortunately. So there's got to be some intellectual honesty about. You can't say I know what I know how this looks, but other folks have to look beyond that. I know how it looks. See that that's the part. That you have to listen to people with a third ear when they say, "I know I look like I know I look crazy, but you should still recognize beyond that." Does that make any sense? If the person wearing it knows he's giving off a certain vibe, and, and we're not we're not Professor X, and we can't, you know, I can't read your thoughts. Oh, he's really a, uh, a MIT PhD student. I got that from his thoughts. <laughs> Come on. Well, hey, I use that to my advantage. If 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 uh, I wear hoodies all the time, if I if I come in and you're 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 allowed on a train or a bus, and I'll put the hoodie on and I'll put the anger face on, and and people shut up right away. I'll use it to my advantage, but at the same time, I also know that by putting that on, now all of a sudden I got eyes on me, so I'm not gonna do anything. To, to immediately put alarms up on people. Oh my God, he's crazy! Oh, look at that! Look at that! And where they're like pointing me out to the cops or something like that. I got a place to go. I ain't gonna dilly down because once I have the hoodie on, I know. Okay, now I look suspect. I got to get to wherever I'm going. I can't dilly daddle or or hang around. But at the same time, as I say that. Folks, I live in New York City. It is cold as a brick out here. I need the hoodie. I I put the hoodie on with my clothes. But because I need the hoodie doesn't mean I have to act like a hoodlum. Or it doesn't mean I have to, okay, I have this on. I'm going to stand out there and do absolutely nothing in the cold for 45 minutes and look like a suspect. It, it, there, there, there is many ways to look at this, but 
We know what we are in America, all right? It's not just that you put on the hoodie one day and now you're suspect. Everybody has had this talking to by an elder person, elder person of stature about, okay, you got to get someplace safe. Or you got to, you know not everybody out there is your friend. Okay? Sometimes when I hear stuff like that, it smacks me in the face of victim syndrome. Like, I don't understand. I just put it on. I don't know why. And as you're hearing them say it, you're like, really? You don't understand? Really? Go like, there's, there's a, like a million ways you could have avoided this. You know? It's, there's no woe is me here anymore. You should, between everything that's happened in New York, everything that's happened in Baltimore, everything that's happened in St. Louis, everything that's happened in Texas, you should have your eyes open as a black man that this is a possibility and that you need to be doing the smart thing out there. Back to you, Afrinerd. Cap, what are your thoughts about, you know, this piece? And I guess it ties into, you know, even when we have these gentlemen on, you know, this black Kickstarter campaign comic. It comes from the Black Lives Matter thing. It comes from Trayvon Martin. Uh, the main character is wearing a red hoodie on the cover. Uh, he obviously is channeling what's going on today with black youth. And pr- racial profiling is a thing. I just think that we we don't really talk enough about the strategy when you, when you walk around. If you're going to look a certain way, your lyrics need to be tight. You need you need to be doing something to differentiate yourself from other folks that have a similar look. Because when you go to the blotters, the police blotter, and you see plainly hooded black and brown gentlemen committing crimes, violent acts, that meme is is existing, and we can't act as if you know folks are supposed to be able to tell the difference. If you say, "I know how this looks," but oh, you heard the, you heard the people. What is that? When you hear the people. In the video, talking about, I know the vibe it gives off, and then we got to go into Shangri-La land. We have to have cognitive dissonance. Tell, tell me what you think. Well, it's like what someone said to me years ago, back at about, let me see, was it 89 or was it 90? A retired police officer. He said to me, I didn't make you the color you are. Shouting, shouting out to Martin Timothy Adams. You know what I'm talking about, friend of the show. I didn't make you the color you are. Now, that being said, within a European society, the hoodie is not the problem. It's being black in the hoodie. That's the problem. Rimmed up car with big 26-inch rims, that's not the problem. It's being black in that car. That's the problem. You understand? The green Corvette with the rims, Shouting out to someone that listens to the show from time to time. He knows what I'm talking about, correction officer. It wasn't the fact that it was a green Corvette with rims, because when the white guy drove it, nothing happened. It's being black in the green Corvette. So we were constantly stopped with rims. That's how it works here in the European society. The rules are different. Self-importance rules the day. The rules are different. Rules are different. Now, what you can do, even though the rules are different, you could do things a bit differently to act as a buffer. And that's what it is. It is a buffer. And at times, it's a very big buffer. 
where someone such as the captain, who's really a supervillain, he steps around the Nazi. He steps around the ISIS. He steps around the police officer. <laughs> While everyone else is hit. You understand? That's just how it works. Because I understand what the buffers are. That's just what it is. You know? You have to learn what the buffers are. The point is, you don't want to learn what the buffers are, and you think you actually have Uh-oh. Now, he gets kicked off. What is going on? It's the attack of the mutes. He'll come back. Ladies and gentlemen, this is blog talk. It's unfortunate. We, we're, we're looking for a different outlet because, you know, the technology is just not what it needs to be. See, wait, you two, wait, you wait two are minute. getting too real, and the mute came to, to say, okay, they've talked enough about this click. There's probably a cognition quotient, and they say, oh, we're getting into the 140 range. These Negroes better learn. we got to cut them off. <laughs> I, I'm assuming he's, he's going to come back. Yeah. But I, I hear what he's saying. I'm, I, he's, he's essentially saying what I said, Daryl. If you're going to look a certain way, listen, I wear, I wear baseball caps and hoodies also. Now, I don't really wear my hoodie up. I just have a thing about that. But, you know, but, but listen, on occasion, I, you know, like you said, if it's, if it's cold as whatever, you may have to put it up. But as, but as practice, I mean, I've seen young men that wear hoodies, and it's 80 degrees outside. Like, why are you wearing your hoodie up? So you, you, something else is going on there. Oh, yeah, because you think it looks cool. It actually puts a, a target and a warning sensor up. You know, it, it's like I, everybody knows this out in the listening audience. You had that one friend who, what was it, the goose jacket? It'd be 75, yeah. 80 degrees out there, and yeah. he's wearing this heavy-ass goose jacket. And I'd be like, brother, you know you're sweating butts in there. Why are you wearing that? Because it looks cool. You Cap, were you were cut off like I was cut yeah. off. I don't know what's going. Wow, he got cut off again. What? Yeah. <laughs> this, this. Ah. <sighs> Again, hot bug is an issue. I'm not saying, and, and just to buy time until Cap comes back, I'm not saying don't wear the hoodie. I'm just saying everybody should have an, uh, the intelligence quotient. We can't play ignorant anymore about this. You can't. You can't play the ignorant card. You've seen it all over the news. We saw riots. You know, you can't be ignorant to figure, okay, I'm a black man, I'm going to put the hoodie on, and I'm going to walk past these cops and nothing's going to happen. I mean, I see cops, I have the hoodie on, I pull the hoodie off my head and walk past them. Good day, officers, how you doing? Keep on walking, because I got someplace to be. I don't have the hoodie on, shoot them an evil eye, go damn pigs, and keep... No, because that puts you in their crosshairs. Again, there's some segments, yes, you've been mistreated. But when you, you hear the stories sometimes that come out, you're just like, really, dude? Was that the smartest thing you could have possibly done? And that's where I agree with you and the captain on. We don't always put ourselves in the smart situations here. But, I, I, and, but then we're looking to be called, oh, I was a victim. No, you were a dumbass. Cap is, cap, cap is back. Cap, can you speak? You, you, been, you were cutting off. 
NSA don't like you know, doesn't like what I'm saying right now. <laughs> we were just saying you both you and 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 Alpha Nerd were so close to the mark that oh they've gotten too close. Click. <laughs> See me, oh, I'm man. a ranting lunatic. They'll just take me at face value. Yeah, let him rant. I'm the Charles Barkley of the group. I'll just keep on talking. You know, you guys, you're hitting them with knowledge, and oh, they're too smart. <laughs> oh, <Go ahead>. man. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> but, but, um, I, I'm not, I, my, my issue with, with some of us is that why do we pretend as if there isn't like another side of life where black young men are getting it in and it makes things confusing? I mean, I'm looking at police blotters where you clearly see black and brown men with hoodies on purposely committing acts of crimes. So now the cops have to make a distinction between you and your hoodie and the criminal in his hoodie. So, I mean, there's got to be some fairness as to that, 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 the position that the cop is in. And then you have SJWs, social justice warriors, that pro, or, or, or wanksters, not gangsters, that purposely give off a certain air to the police, like this I dare you to kind of thing. When it doesn't even have to be that. It doesn't have to be that. It's not, it's not, it's not about that. We don't, see, we don't really want to be honest about the, about the differences as if we have MIT cats in hoodies. We probably do, but those guys, I think, know how to, know how to, how to get the lyrics going so they can get out of these situations. Hopefully. Hell, if you walk into any store, who walks into a store with a full hoodie on and a face mask with their pants drooping? Who walks Black into a people. store like that? <laughs> I walk into a store, I pull down the hoodie, I'm there to shop, okay, get myself and gone, because I know, hey, I'm not a suspect. I want to be, I, if they want my service and I want to be less hassle doing it, I want them to see my face, uh, and, okay, here it is, I'm buying this, how you doing? Okay, thank you, have a good day, and I'm gone. Obviously, just today, I'm in the store, two guys come walking in, one's got a face mask and the hoodie on, the other one's got a full hoodie on. I walked in, I'm talking to the, the clerk, and that clerk, as soon as those two walked in, I could see him reaching underneath the, the, the bar, uh, the, where the counter was, and his eyes never left him, just walking straight like this, looking at him. Why? Because you came in like a hood. I'm sorry to say it. You may have gone in with the best intentions, but you come in with that, wearing that, walking in, you're automatically a suspect. We should know better. Back to you, Alfred Nerd. Yeah, I see uh, a, a um, gentleman in the chat room, Sabretooth. He says, we're in the crosshairs without doing anything, though. So I don't necessarily agree with that. Then he says, some of us why are. Can't, yeah, some of us are. Why can't, we got to get off this tribal thing that we, I'm not really caught up in the police shenanigans like other Negroes are. I'm just not. Not that it can't happen, but I mean, you know, I think I carry myself a little differently than, than other folks. Uh, why thing. can't, go ahead. Fairness is the illusion of the weak To protect you from the strong to no avail When you have power you do what you want 
A black man goes before the court same prize as a white man. Who gets the who gets more time? Black man. The black man does. So you have to try to avoid that situation before you even get there. Stop with the fairness BS. There is no fairness here in this country. Stop it. No, you do continue. As a matter of fact, he says, why can't the police just treat everyone the same, no matter what race you are? Because why they're human. Why is that so difficult? <laughs> because they're human. When, when have you known any human being to be totally fair right down the line? We, I, all I have, we all have prejudices. We are all racist in some way. We are all sexist in some way. There is nobody, nobody walking this planet. Uh, you could give me whoever. I could tell you they've been prejudiced or something. Thing. If you think just because you're a priest or a cop or a judge oh, worst, that, that you don't have some <laughs> sort of prejudice in your mind somewhere in your subconscious, I call you ignorant. Everybody's mm-hmm. prejudiced in some way. That's why it's incumbent on each and every one of us to do our best to live every day and stay the hell out of these situations. Can I add something briefly? We've got about six minutes, but go ahead. Well, prejudice, I do agree with. That's just the act of prejudging. But racist, that's a good push. I don't don't think everyone's actually racist, where you just see your race is better just because it it is. But prejudice, yes, we prejudge. And and sometimes those prejudges, prejudgments, are not correct. But it, it is what it is. And there's also something for you people out there that's listening. You'll turn around and say, well, there's prejudice based on racism. Yes, there is. Okay? But prejudice based on the definition and racism are two different things. Okay. Just wanted to clear that up. You know what? You're right. I should not use racist. I should use uh, stereotyping, some sort of stereotypical uh, thought. I should have said that instead. Thank you, Cap. Well, well, listen. Right. One of the things, one of the things I was I, I was promoting at the Schomburg a few weeks ago, and what we're trying to do here, and even beyond with the upcoming event in Philadelphia. Shout out to Amalgam Philly Comic Books. Is that I'm trying to when you put when you put out there this whole blurred notion. I was trying to get the audience to to get into a general a generalized mindset beyond the Kickstarter campaigns and the the graphic novels and the video games. The main thing is we have to promote the notion of thinking black people. And that has to be seen in the arts, in our music, in the sciences, and in life. And right now, if we're, to be, if we're going to be honest, our presentation in the aggregate does not, does not denote people as, as being thinkers. Even though, even though we have a history, a long line of, of great eloquent strategists and thinkers. We're not known for that. And, it's, and if we, when we start putting out the notion that there's some smart Negroes out here walking around, that's where you're going to see real fear. White folks, racists, and even the black thugs are not fearful of black people because they don't perceive us to be thinkers. So I'm, look, I'm looking at everybody in the same ball of wax. If you put out a viral meme, if you make it mimetic, that black people are thinking, and that we don't know what angle this particular black person is going to come through because this is a new thing coming on now. This is, this is the new meme. Because the thug meme, people know how to deal with thugs. They really do. But a smart black person, they don't know what to do. When I played that clip in the beginning of this show with 
the Black Panther cartoon. The cartoon, mind you. The cartoon, shout out to Reginald Hudlin, he put in there, he was, he was very direct, T'Chaka, the father of Black Panther, put in there. Who told you to call me Chaka? You think you're going to give me blondes and guns and I'm going to just go away? Like a co- I mean, that was a very confrontational, Lumumba-esque type of black style that we're not comfortable in seeing. Black people or white people. So my thing is, the blood thing, is for, for me, is just a connect to thinking black people. The, the Jedida Eislers and the uh, Neil deGrasse Tysons, thinking black people are a threat. Non-thinking emotional black people, they know exactly how to control your ass. They're called Democrats and sometimes Republicans. I'm just saying. Or corporatists. This is not rocket science. I'm just, I'm just tired. I really, you know what I really wanted to do? What I really wanted to say? And that audience, that's why I said I asked you, should I give them 25%? I let the blur girl have her day and all that kind of stuff. Got, shout out to her. But I was going to be real funky on that stage, and I had to, I had to stop myself. So I, didn't want to, I, I could be the villain like Daryl, too. And I was going to say, I'm tired, of, I'm tired of this dumb in stuff. That's what I really wanted to say. Uh, you should have just said that the earth is flat. God damn B O B Y. Well, well Why? You, you see, Dow, you're connecting the you're connecting the dots. Now you have B O B B O B having a discussion with a, a person who has a doctorate in astrophysics. And it's laughable. This is this is how the world perceives black people and they don't and then black people those said black people expect not to get shot in the ass every once in a while. I expect a racist to shoot me the ass every once in a while. That's why I avoid racists. Or rather, I don't test racists. And I don't expect racists to give me an award. Like I wouldn't want an award from a pedophile. Same thing. If the pedophile, if there was a pedophile award, we said this Wednesday, Daryl. If the pedophiles were given an award at the academy, black folks wouldn't want it, clearly. So pedophiles, to me, I liken them to racists. I don't want an award from a racist like I wouldn't want an award from a pedophile. But black folks still want that award. Pretty simple. Thanking black people for 2016. That's what I want. That's it. You got 30 seconds. Shaft, this week, folks. Anything, Cap, before you get cut off? Not my doing. <laughs> Deadpool. Think- Deadpool, guys. Deadpool. Deadpool Friday. Sounds good. All right, folks. Uh, let's go to George Clinton and Kendrick Lamar. Ain't that funkin' kind of hard? See you on Wednesday. It's been real. Ain't that funkin' kind of hard?